Hey everyone, Rob Cress here, Root Pharmacist from Root Pharmacist Radio. Welcome back, and if it's your first time here, I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, today's May 30th, 2018. I hope you're having a phenomenal day. Um, today was my once weekly sprint day, usually once every seven to 10 days. And in a previous podcast, I talked about the hiles and the whys, you know, the benefits of sprinting and how to do it correctly to get the most benefits out of it. So, what I wanted, because also today, what I did is I threw up an Instagram post on my two pre-workout supplements that I often go for, go for. Uh, so if you don't follow me on Instagram, head on over there. It's at root pharmacist, uh, all lowercase, or you could probably find me at Robert Crest. But anywho, um, two of the supplements I like to use: one is an uh, an alkaline form of creatine. And the other one, which is what this podcast will be about today, uh, would be a cortisol balancer. So that's why today I want to talk about the balance of cortisol management and exercise because oftentimes there might be a thin line that we walk here. So when you think about the realm of sports nutrition, there's many different categories, right? There's hydration, you know, electrolyte balances. Um, there's supplements that help for the maintenance and muscle repair, um, ones that will help enhance energy support and really over, like an overall optimization of one's workout and, you know, rebound so they can work out again. Now, Something that a lot of people don't often talk about is actually cortisol support. You know, when do we hear about cortisol support? Um, over mass media or, you know, uh, media publications, you may find out, you know, hear about it as far as like belly fat, right? Too high cortisol, stuff like that. But I want to talk about the role in exercise and how you can optimize your workouts and understand what might be going on. So one important thing to understand about cortisol, it's the only hormone in the body that actually increases with age. So let's think about that and let's think about the ramifications. Uh, we as human beings generally become hormonally depleted as we grow older. So if you think about all the sex hormones, uh, the estrogen, the progesterone, the testosterone, um, let's talk about DHEA. DHEA decreases with age uh, by something about 70% from your 20s to your 60s or 70s. So it, it's quite a big deal. Um, human growth hormone, the whole bit. Now the deal with cortisol, cortisol is a response to stress and it will often steal from other hormones. So just the body, just in effort to keep the cortisol rolling and keep that alive to keep you alive, it'll steal from other hormones and you might even be prematurely hormonally exhausted earlier than before. Uh, you talk about or think about a hormone like DHEA, where that and cortisol are primarily produced via the adrenal glands. DHEA and other sex hormones basically protect our brain from excessive cortisol stimulation. So if all our other hormones are declining as we age, and cortisol, if through improper or not even acknowledgement of stress management, continues to rise, that's targeting our brain, our hippocampus, our memory centers, uh, affecting ourselves in cognition. Uh, many of these things that we're seeing people kind of go down the path in elderly age, um, Alzheimer's and all that. So it's an important thing to understand and uh, the role that it plays. So let's kind of just first step back and, you know, what does cortisol do? Like what involvement does it have in, the, in your body? Because the thing is, cortisol is a good thing. And you're going to see a lot of the benefits. So we're going to talk about it in the body. Then we're going to talk about it in relationship to exercise. It's the mismanagement and the chronic levels of cortisol that can get us in trouble. So cortisol helps to balance blood sugar. 
it helps for weight control. Uh, it has an immune system response. You know, cortisol um, has a direct effect over the immune system. And if cortisol remains too high for too long, we become resistant to it. And then we get some immune dysregulation. Uh, it can affect our bone turnover rate. So in healthy levels, it actually supports it. In excessive levels, it starts to break it down. Uh, it obviously plays a role in the stress reaction, which we'll talk about, protein synthesis. It affects your moods and even your thoughts. Um, it will influence both the testosterone and to, to estrogen ratio. Uh, so this is actually quite prominent or a big factor in both females and males, because even men, you might think you're not a regular producer of estrogen, but if you have enhanced body fat, you are becoming an estrogen factory. So then the more estrogen you have, um, and then you, your testosterone can actually start pooling into that further. So it, it will, and cortisol will play a role on that. Uh, it also influences DHEA and insulin ratio. This is another big one. We can become insulin resistant in our brain. Many different you know examples I can give you, um, but you know a lot of times they'll call Alzheimer's disease part three diabetes or type three diabetes. Um, and remember what when I said when DHEA decreases and cortisol rises, that's also targeting the brain. It also will affect your pituitary, thyroid, and adrenal system, which is your hormonal system, the guidance mechanism that we need to keep us balanced. So it's really important to see these roles that it certainly plays. Now, what happens if we have to endure chronic elevated cortisol levels. Our immune system gets suppressed. We have, as I mentioned before, an increased risk of osteoporosis. We might feel tired. We might feel irritable, you know, short-tempered. Uh, we can have those increased sugar cravings. Um, shakiness before, between meals, we can't go too long. Uh, confusion, difficulty sleeping, Certainly with that fatigue, a lack of overall energy, females and even males actually can notice um, night sweats, um, not even just sugar, but total binge eating can go through. Uh, a lot of time people will have um, nighttime eating syndrome where they'll consume more than 50% of their daily uh, calories actually after 5 p.m., which is not a good thing. Uh, it can increase your blood pressure, cholesterol, triglycerides blood sugar, and then increase insulin resistance. So the list goes on and there's a lot of issues. Uh, it can start tear, tearing down muscle fibers and muscle tissue, leading to muscle uh, weakness, easy bruising. And of course, what I spoke about earlier, what we hear about a lot is weight gain. Now, if you have abnormal cortisol levels, whether they're excessively high or excessively low, that can affect a lot of other conditions, whether it's PMS, panic disorders, menopause, uh, depression, heart disease, osteoporosis, and once again, sleep disorders. So uh, a lot, a lot of issues that happens with cortisol levels and, you know, kind of indicates the reason why we should uh, look to have it balanced. So a general cortisol level, let me just give you an example throughout the day and how it works. And we're going to get into like the exercise aspect of things. Say, for instance, you're someone who wakes up on average about seven o'clock in the morning. That's your wake up call. An normal diurnal cortisol levels like throughout the day, 4.30 in the morning is the lowest point of cortisol. We want it low then because we don't want it stimulating us to keep it awake. And before that, then it's going to start to rise about 45 minutes after you wake up. So in this case, if you wake up at seven, around 7.45, uh, that's when it's going to peak. So that it's there to get you up in the morning to start your day and to get things rolling. Then you're going to notice a fairly rapid decline from the morning time to just about noon. Um, 
So it'll have that drop and it's going to tail down pretty much throughout the day. You're going to have uh, a low in the afternoon and a little bit of a peak after dinner, then a decline through the night. Now, the reason for the peak and what's important to understand here, which we're talking about, there are two things that will exercise or exercise that will elevate the cortisol eating. So after you eat, you're going to get a peak in cortisol. So that's one reason why we don't recommend eating before bedtime and leaving that like three-hour window. Um, but exercise will also elevate cortisol. Thus, another reason why we don't want to exercise too late because we need our cortisol levels to kind of gently uh, slide down to allow us to get to sleep at nighttime. So what is cortisol there for? You know, we've heard the term fight or flight response, and this is kind of our primal um, genetic way that we've been created. If you consider, remember, or think about a hunter-gatherer cruising in the Serengeti, um, foraging for food, uh, whether it's nuts, herbs, whatever it might be, or maybe looking for that good meat dinner. Um, you know, it comes down to cortisol's job and your adrenal's job is either to help you kill or to avoid being killed. So say, for instance, you're surprised there's a lion at your tail, you need cortisol and your stress response. Cortisol will rise up. The energy is all going to go to your muscles. It's going to stay away from your digestive tract. It's going to do that to get you out of trouble. Now, what we need is and if you avoid, you know, the if you avoid being at someone else's dinner, then hopefully you find a time, an extended period of time, where cortisol gets to chill out, right? It gets to get lower, um, and that's the rhythm that we deal with. So, you know, it's it's there for us when we need it to accelerate it, but we need the times and the periods of rest and relaxation in between so uh, we don't fall into maintained or excessive cortisol levels because that can be a problem. And that's a problem with society. You know, a lot of times it's not just physical that's uh, stimulating our cortisol levels. It's emotional, it's mental, it's all these stresses that we're dealing with in life. It's all these monkeys on our back. And oftentimes we don't impart, impart Part, the proper periods of rest and repair in between, which we really need to do. And um, we've had other podcasts about that. Today, I do want to talk about the exercise. So what cortisol absolutely serves a purpose with exercise. Um, it will help with gluconeogenesis. So, you know, our body does utilize a certain amount of glucose for the muscles, for the brain. Now, I uh, if I talked about ketosis, that would be a totally, because, you know, there's a lot of advance in science and ketosis and how that can step in and work like glucose, but that's not the topic of this conversation. So what cortisol do, it will actually help support um, basically the proteins in your bodies and amino acids break down into glucose, which to fuel you, which is known as gluconeogenesis. Uh, it will help accelerate and mobilize fats for energy production. Uh, it's going to help the body basically adapt to stress because exercise is considered a stress. And, you know, let's link in this case both uh, cortisol um, elevation as well as inflammation. Um, both of these things serve a purpose. They help build us up. They help, we'll say stress and inflammation. They build us up. They make us stronger. But then we need those periods right in between so we can break down to rebuild up again in a healthy way. Um, if you're fasting, the cortisol levels will actually help maintain an adequate glucose level that you might need then. Um, it will support the reserve glucose for brain function in any of these cases. It'll help break down proteins to release amino acids for tissue repair. So in many of these cases, cortisol plays a direct role there. So as you can see, especially with exercise, cortisol certainly plays 
you know, it has its part, it plays its part. It provides an anti-inflammatory effect and even supports the other actions or the actions of other hormones, including human growth hormone. The problem is where you are in your balance of cortisol levels and where you are. So there's, I, I want to talk about a supplement that, or the reason why I would balance them through a cortisol balancing supplement, um, a product that you might've seen in the picture I'll use a lot, uh, either Relora, which you can find under many different companies out there. It's a licensed product. Um, a product I like from Pure Encapsulation is called uh, Cortisol Calm. Uh, Cortisol Calm will have one of the ingredients to Relora. And now what Relora does is if your cortisol is high, it helps bring it down. If it's low, it helps bring it up. And the same with DHEA. What's nice about this Cortisol Calm, in addition to the one ingredient, which is the Magnolia from Relora, it provides L-theanine, which has further cortisol lowering activity to it. Um, ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen to help feed the adrenals, as well as rhodiola. rhodiola. So both of these adaptogens uh, help with endurance as well as mental acuity. So it supports both physical and mental uh, endurance. Now, who should consider using something like this? Um, chronic intense exercisers. Now, this is something I do not advocate and I do not practice myself. I believe regardless on how much nutrition or supplements we're throwing at ourselves, we need those periods in those times of rest and repair. But if you're a chronic exerciser, you're constantly, chances are churning just from your physical activity, a chronic pattern of cortisol levels, right? Um, that can happen from just good old emotional and physical stress as well. And what will mirror with that is chronic inflammation, which will totally lead to a breakdown of tissues, increase of in injury, possibly issues of heart disease. So once again, I don't recommend the chronic intense exercising. Um, but I do support the fact that if someone was to do it, we need to treat the adrenals. It's not a cure. It's not a fix-all, but it's an idea. Um, people that are undergoing chronic stress, their adrenals need support. So we need to look at that. Now, who's not going through chronic stress these days? It seems like everyone's dealing with something, right? Um, we're being inundated by noise from all over areas. So that's why we need to kind of find our own me time, our little periods of silence. Um, I like the term practice in the art of silence. That can provide a great benefit. The <clears throat> third would be those people who um, chronic stress basically basically made it all the way to adrenal fatigue for them. So when I talked about how cortisol normally elevates in the morning and then slowly drops off through the evening, you know, there's some people that might have a pattern of their stress response that'll go in different stages. Their cortisol levels might start to be high at night and low in the morning. Those are the people that can't sleep and are wide awake. But when you get to the point of adrenal fatigue, your cortisol levels essentially could be flatlining. So this is very important for those who have undergone or enduring chronic fatigue. And in those cases, intense exercise certainly would not be recommended because you don't have the cortisol and you're just going to continue to waste yourself. Um, or the recovery, the, the, the chronic fatigue recoverer or the adrenal fatigue recoverer, I should say, you know, that is yours truly. And that's why I have gotten into the practice of supporting my adrenals and my cortisol levels when I do intense exercises. What happens is we lose sensitivity as I talked about before, through the hyper or the hypo levels of it. So we need to re-engage that. That's why we need to retreat our adrenals going forth. So this is the role of cortisol management um, and exercise. And I hope it gave you some you know, tips to work on. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'd uh, love to hear from you. Any topics you'd like to hear about, Rob Kress, Root Pharmacist. You can find me at rootpharmacist at gmail.com. Thanks so much.